We are back. It is Real Talk with Chris Roubaix and my man, Julian Chavez. Tell him what's up. We are back. It is it is our fifth podcast. It is? Yes, fifth episode, They've man. been going by quickly. I know, man. It's all catching up. Lots of good news out there. We're here on a, on a casual Saturday. We Great are day. casual. I'm not as casual as last week in my, uh, <laughs> my white tracksuit, if you were able to catch that out. Catch that on our last... Our last YouTube video was good. Um, I was all decked out, but... Um, you should have seen him running around Ripple like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was sweating, bro. <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting week in real estate, I'd say. It, it was an interesting week in general. Yeah, lots of, lots of turmoil right now with the, uh, with the feds right now. The Federal Reserve just released that... Uh, they had their quarterly meeting, right? right. Um, so... Rates were, they're planning to keep rates the same right now, but that really lowers them a little bit because that's just how the market works. Right. So there was no increase in rates. Um, the rates uh, remained, right? So um, right now you can find them for, uh, I mean, I've heard as low as under 4%, mm-hmm. but they say on, on the television 4 to 4.25%, right? Yeah, I mean, but that's, it, it just depends the type of client you are, your credit score, uh, right. debt to income ratio. There's a lot of different factors and we talked about it um, even before. The, even the type of property you're buying is a factor. Right, and um, you know, how much income that property generates and really your financial character as a person, uh, your credit score is very important, um, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's all, it's all part of the, the regulatory scheme. Uh, also, you know what I found out is, is recourse, right? So if you can guarantee, uh, personal guarantee your assets versus not personal guaranteeing your assets, um, it's a big difference on the loan to value ratio that they can give you. They can lend you more money if you guarantee uh, recourse right. towards your assets. Uh, yeah. If not, obviously they, they can't loan you as much. Um, but that has a big, big... Uh, that, that's, I mean, if you're doing like a business loan and then you personally guarantee it, then that's where you get into some type of trouble, you know what I mean? Like get the business default or something. Right. Hopefully you're not doing any shady business or anything like that. Yeah, Hopefully... What if the business just takes a turn <laughs> for the worse, you know? True. True. Uh, personally guaranteeing it's a little tough. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'd, you know, with me, I always got to prove a business model before I really bring it to scale, so... I think um, I think a lot of people do that, but um, I think it's important to to stand behind your product and you know definitely. believe in your brand. So um, yeah, I mean definitely, but you always have to have like an exit plan just in case. Right, it's all about the exit strategy, baby. That's well, you got to get in at a good price and figure out how you're gonna get out just in case, man. So. Yeah, I take that back. It's not about the exit; it's all about the buy. Yeah. All right, if there's anything it's my all dad. About the buy. If there's anything my dad. Has told me in life, it's all about the buy. <laughs> yeah, man. it's all about the buy. I mean, I was actually trading stocks for a little bit a couple years ago. Yeah. And the guy that was like kind of mentoring me, he was like, you got to get in at a good price. He was day trading, by the way. Right. And you have to have an A, like your A plan, which is the price that you want to sell at. And then your trap to get out just in case. Right. In case things take a turn for the worst. Exactly. Because I thought that a stock was going to do very well within an hour or so. Ended up like losing about fifty percent of its value, and I didn't have like an exit plan. I was just like, I pray this thing goes up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, stocks are interesting. You know, we spoke a lot in class about the uh, the buy versus rent model, right. which is what we kind of want to lead into. 
Um, me and Julian have a lot to talk about on this topic. Uh, we were discussing it briefly. Um, yeah, we, we kind of wanted to show you guys yeah. what we think about this. So, these past couple of weeks, I've been working on a project, um, and it includes, you know, basically showing a model of buying versus renting, right? So, um, making a pro forma statement and um, finding which is the cheapest cost of capital, I guess you say, or your, your best return on your money over four to five years uh, buying versus renting. So Julian has, Julian's all for buying. I am for buying too, right? But um, in this day and age, it makes a lot more sense to be renting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I've seen multiple charts, um, huge inclines in, um, well, give, give us some numbers. Okay. So the, the numbers that we came up with, and I'm about to pull them up right now is, um, you know, I think these numbers are a little bit skewed. Uh, this might work in like a practical setting, but as for South Florida, and a lot of people will tell you this, South Florida's real estate economy is just different. It's just, it, it's different. So, well, you got to play where you work, like where you are. Right, right. But I mean, you know, I'm also from St. Louis, so I also, I have that in the back of my mind too. And I think this model might be able to work there as well. So what, what the model that we came up with here is um, if you were to purchase a property at $450,000, right? 20% um, down payment and an interest rate of 4%, um, including closing costs, loan maturity 30 years, uh, selling expenses around 6.5%, um, inflation expectancy around 2%. Um, we see that over the course of five years, uh, including your sale price uh, at a growth of 2.5%, so you're beating inflation by about a half percent, um, you'll see your total cash at the time you sold after five years investing or buying your property at 450 grand, you'll come out with $150,000. Now, the rent option that we have here, now the buy versus rent model, I think it also depends on your discipline as an investor. If you, I'm not gonna lie, if you're a little bit more you know, uh, relaxed with your investment strategy, um, a lot of people just prefer to rent, uh, buy because it's, it's easier. You just throw the money into a house, you know, um, it will appreciate at this number. Um, it's just easier in the back of your head. You don't have to think about, okay, I have to go look, I have to go log onto this website and look at this for a few hours. It's just, it's in the, it's in the real estate and you watch it grow. So, um, the option two that we have for renting, um, if you were to invest that down payment, like we said, at 20%, which is $90,000 or 450 grand, uh, if you were to invent, invest that $90,000 at 8 to 10% into the stock market or securities, which, mind you, I think, yeah, I just <laughs> saw you roll your eyes. I, I agree with you, you know. Like, getting, planning, planning a stock to return 8 to 10% is I don't know. You can't. I, you can't. You can never guarantee it. Yeah. Like there's no stock in the world. Especially ever. with the cycles that the economy has been going through. It's been like, up and down like crazy. Yeah. Did you look at? Oh my gosh! On Friday, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really. Down yeah, a it was blood points. Yeah, yeah. For the longest time, I thought I was generating like a fifteen percent return in the stock market. Three days later, I was down five grand. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, with the model that 
you know, we've created here, if you were to invest that at eight to 10%, that down payment of 90 grand, at the cash at the time of sold, you will end up with $158,000, which is $8,000 more in your pocket compared to buying. Now, Julian over here does not agree with my ex. I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> Go for it. All right, there's always different situations right. that renting could be better than buying, but in this case, I'm for buying comparing a $450,000 house to, to renting because I have this pulled up on a loan calculator, 450 grand at 4% interest, including homeowner's insurance and taxes, put you at $2,200 a month. Right. For you to rent a house for 450 grand in Miami at least, it'll cost you somewhere closer to 40 grand. Right. So you're wasting money actually every month. And you're just right. giving it away and you never get anything back in return. And it's very, very hard to say that you could invest your money elsewhere and get an 8% return. Okay. I, I feel you on that. And this is what I left out. And I apologize because people are probably scratching their heads saying, how'd you get the rent? So the rent that I've calculated on here is at $2,500 a month. Um, if you compare that, that's a pretty low rent for a $450,000 house. But I think in other cities and states, it might work for somewhere that's not right. Miami. Right, Miami. I would probably say it's over four grand, like you said. Right. Um, you know, if I were to just put that in really quick, let's see here. Now, it, there are, there is a lot of different factors that that people use um, for buying. Like you said, it's just it's really a preference um, on on what you you like to. Um, to partake in now there's a huge huge advantage uh over a hundred thousand dollars if you were to rent at four thousand dollars right it would make obvious sense to buy a house exactly you would put over a hundred thousand dollars into your pocket right now um in in other cities where you know miami is one of the most unaffordable cities to live in absolutely <laughs> it's a proven fact um i have a a um article here that says Miami is the most inelastic city for land options, meaning it is the hardest city to get land in, in all the country, beating LA, beating San Francisco, every city, every city, because it's, it's highly unaffordable and there's just not that much land. And we're talking about Miami as a core, right? We're not talking about, um, you know, Miami core involves, you have downtown, you have you know, a little bit out west, a little bit down south. Um, it doesn't really relate to, you know, up north towards... You're talking like about the city Edgewater. of Miami rather than, right. than like, Miami-Dade County. Right, right. In general. Exactly. Miami-Dade County goes all the way down to the freaking homestead. Exactly. So that's that's a big difference, you know. Um, it's crazy. Even yeah. though even their prices are way more expensive, too. Right. Now, let's talk about factors why um, people would buy versus rent, right? right. So. Um, we were talking, I was talking about this the other day. Um, so you have family, right? That's a big one. Um, you know, when you're first starting out, you might start off with a smaller home and then, right. you know, kind of adapt and, you know, have to build or add, you know, structure. It's a, it's a nice thing though to, to do that. To right. Your family to it's go building a family. Absolutely. But that is one of the factors, right? So space, right? Um, jobs. Jobs is a huge factor. People move all the time for jobs. You know, you could think that you're living in a home for 15 years and then, you know, the next year you got to move somewhere else so, just because. So in that case, it would be better to rent because right. you don't have to go through those transactions. More flexibility, of right. course. Yeah. So, um, 
there was another factor that I was just going to speak about, but um, what was it? Oh, the, the average home, right? So, you know, the American dream is, you know, to buy a home. Absolutely, right. of course. And it still is. Um, now, if we're talking 50 years ago, people were living in their homes for over 15 years on average. Now, um, the number is down to seven. Yeah, seven years on average. So that's a pretty fun fact, though. Yeah, it is. It, you know, we look at it, and uh, if you really think about it, um, seven years is, is a good amount of time, right? But um, it, it definitely has, has skewed a lot if you look at it, right? You know? So um, it's yeah. interesting that, that a lot of people take different strategies buy versus rent. Right. I mean, some other reasons that it might be good to buy is you. Every month you're throwing money into an asset, something that you're gonna get back. Uh, I know you put a specific amount for like appreciation in there, right. but it just depends where you're gonna buy. True. Like if you would have bought right Absolutely. here, if you would have bought a piece of land in Brickell 30 years ago, it would, it would have appreciated a lot more than 2%. Right, you know what I mean? exactly, you're totally right. And then some other things, you could use that house like a bank, case of emergency, you take a loan out against the house. You can't credit do that with rent. Right. You take credit lines. I mean, things happen. Even if you're a great financial planner, yeah. things just happen. Like I feel you. in your family needs money, someone's sick, right. you take a loan out against your house. I mean, that's why, that's a huge factor, I think. I mean, no one else is gonna wanna give it to you when they know your situation, unless you have an asset that they could hold you against for. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'm, you know, buying real estate, and I said this last podcast was, you know, start buying now, of course. Um, now, of course, I look at it from a different perspective as income, but if you look at it actually um, physically using it yourself, like living right. in the home, right? Um, this does not, this, this model does not calculate for income producing properties. It does not, you know, we use um, tax uh, deductions, um, if you were to live in a home, not the tax deductions, if you were to purchase an income property, deducting, you know, mortgage expenses or, um, taxes, insurance, stuff of that nature. So, um, all right. So I have a question for you though. What's up? What do you think is a better investment to invest somewhere in the stock market or invest in the real estate market? Real estate. I've said that from day one. Right. I, I just... I, I think the stock market is too crazy, man. Yeah, it's very crazy. Even if you're too many factors in, volatile, in like highly unvolatile stocks, right? Stuff just happens. I mean, the Dow Jones went down 450 points yesterday, even though the Fed just announced they're not going to raise interest rates, right? Which we're not expecting that, right? And when the Dow Jones goes down 450 points, even if you don't have a volatile stock or stocks in your portfolio, they're still going to go down, right? No matter what. Yeah, you know, I just think, um, even with real estate, there's a lot of moving parts, and I think there's almost too many moving parts in real estate, but when we talk about stocks, it's just, it's too many things going on. You got Way people, you got CEOs saying too stuff, you got regulatory on. agencies saying stuff, you got Social people, media's involved in it. Social media, like Elon Musk says something, the stock goes up, stock goes down. Throws a car in space like a nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, 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 it's just, I don't know, I, I never really. And then we got Zuck sitting behind the laptop. Yeah, approving <laughs> <a proven, laughs> <a proven> ads. <laughs> Man, that was, that was frustrating for us. But no, yeah, so um, all in all, we think buying versus renting, it really just depends on uh, what's your investment strategy, um, what kind of factors do you want yeah. to play in for yourself. There's different situations in which it could be better, right? Right. 
or it could be better but if you know that or if there's a possibility that you could be jumping around year to year to year then it's obviously better to rent right get in and out of it because there is transaction costs with real estate you, of course you just don't get it enough yeah and there is also some transaction costs with renting but it's not the same right exactly so that's what we have to say about the buy versus rent model um, right now, we kind of want to lead into opportunity zones. We kind of talked a little bit about those a few podcasts ago, but we got we got a couple more questions about them, um, kind of our take on them and, and what we think. Um, so, what do you do? You want to start out? I'll, I'll talk go about ahead it. And start so, so with opportunity zones, we're seeing a bunch of investors start pouring money into these um, funds and uh, trusts to try and promote um, affordable housing for um, kind of evolving cities, area codes, right? So kind of a little bit more um, slower economies, trying to vamp those up by increasing uh, real estate investment in those areas, right? So um, there's a lot of people that do it, a lot of smart people that do it. Um, but my take on it, and I'm going to have to side with a very skilled investor that I, I look up to. His name is Glenn Refrano. He's the CEO of Very. He controls $14 billion in real estate assets, focuses mainly on single tenant, uh, single family tenant houses. Really? And yeah. So I don't know how many he has. I, it's got to be in the thousands, you know, but. Um, single family homes? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Um, he uh, he says if you really focus on the tax benefits of any kind of business proposition, you won't really reap the full benefits that it was made for, right? So, um, you know, with opportunity zones, we said before that um, most of these people invest money after you know it's over like ten years or like. Yeah, it's like 10 years or something that they said. And, yeah, it was a um, good amount of time. It was a good amount of time. It's, it's, not, it's, like not, you it's can, not a quick flip. Yeah, it's not a quick flip. So you got to throw that money in there. And by the way, this is vacant land. So this is just, it's not like it's making any money for you. You still got to pay taxes on it. Uh, but mind you, these are in, you know, um, a little bit. Um, like what kind of areas are you talking about? We're talking about little baby type areas? We're talking about um, places that need development. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So. Um, kind of uh, a very, very different kind of demographic. Um, it's just, it, it needs revamping. So um, he, what, what Glenn really emphasizes, you know, if you're focusing on saving money on taxes, you, you're kind of going to miss out on the whole opportunity of making money, right? <laughs> right. People are, and, are too focused in. Right. So let me go back. I forgot to say this. So the opportunity zones when you invest money into these these land plots for a certain amount of time um, and you develop on them, uh, you don't have to pay capital gains tax. There's a bunch of tax benefits for it. Um, but like I said, you know, if you if you really focus on um, on saving money in this kind of scenario, I think that you'll miss out on the greater part. You know, right? So, it's not it's not just about evading taxes, right? <laughs> It's about making money. And by the way, this, this is legally, you know, they. this is the government saying, right, right. hey, we want you guys to invest into these, you know, real, uh, for the most part, low-income neighborhoods that, that need to see growth um, over the years, you know. Um, these aren't, like, places that are, like, coming up and, like, prices are rising or anything like that. This is, like, places where 
where it's it's just like you know there's not a lot going on so um, I think it's really interesting you know how they do it uh, but personally for me I think um, you know I wouldn't invest into opportunity zones but um, I think it could be you know for the institutional investor with you know plenty of backing from the bank and you know the banks love this um, who was I reading? The, the owner of the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas, he's currently investing in Opportunity Zones. So there is people that, that do invest and it is, it is a strategy for them. But uh, personally for me, I think you, you kind of miss out on the bigger picture, which is, right. you know. Making more money. Yeah, you know. And uh, it's definitely, it's, it's I, definitely I a different it's way a, to approach, you know. I think it's a good idea, but the point is always to make money. But I think it is a good idea in that we actually definitely need more affordable housing. Mm-hmm. There's just different ways to go about it than, than being locked into an opportunity zone. Right. And there are so many different puzzles. And I was listening in about a bunch of different strategies for affordable housing this past week. And, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, government um, intervention that's happening right now that's supporting the affordable housing movement. Right. Um, look, look at all the developers. All they want to build is higher end. I mean, yeah, that's where, the money, that's where money is made. But I think there's also money to be made in affordable housing. Definitely. It's just not know? billions of dollars at a time. It's more residual income, I think. Right. Or maybe more not. of a, a passive strategy, I guess. But, I, I, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, I think uh, there's a lot of different pieces that go into affordable housing. One being opportunity zones. Um... But in hindsight, I think um, it's just kind of a, a different kind of strategy that I wouldn't want to invest in. Would right. you? Uh, if the numbers are right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the thing is, what, what we were saying is, like, don't get into the investment just because of the tax Right, benefits. right. If right. the numbers make sense, the numbers make sense. Exactly. It's an add-on, right? So let's say, okay, yeah, I want to park this money for ten years, and and actually want to see this neighborhood grow you know this is my hometown i want to build it do other stuff absolutely man buy back the block you know what i'm saying do what you do what you want to do do what you want to help out or or create um if you want a vision to actually create something that is affordable and you can see that town flourish then absolutely by all means go for it or for these you know institutional investors that are just looking to kind of just um not really grow with the community, but just kind of make money. I just think they're kind of skipping out on it. You know, I mean, you know, obviously we'll, we'll see were, over time, but. And they're even getting rid of some, some like lower income neighborhoods. You know what I mean? They're trying to like gentrify them, make them, right. make them higher income. Like I was showing a property to a client this week. Uh, in Coke, it's right outside of Coconut Grove basically. Yeah. And the developer bought, or the investor bought the whole two blocks, like the ones facing each other. Right. They were before all duplexes and triplexes, you know, mm-hmm. lower income people right. live there. And now he knocked them, he's gonna, he's trying to knock them all down. Right. And he's making these townhouses, 2,600 square feet each, but they're brand new. Yeah, they're, you sent me a picture of beautiful. They're for rent for six grand a month. Yeah. Asking 800 grand for sale. So he's actually getting rid of affordable housing. Right. Because that before there was affordable housing. He bought he bought that piece a lot, three hundred grand. The grove the grove is a totally different caliber. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just kind of it's like right outside the becoming. Grove. Yeah, he's just trying to extend the grove. Right, and um, you know I met the I met the guy behind the Arbor 
the Arbor Project over there in Coconut Grove. And that's really plotted for the 800 to $2 million range. Right. So there's people that are still you know, pinpointing that upper echelon market, but um, I think there just still needs to be a little I bit think more affordable housing. Honestly, the demand is for more affordable. Especially yeah. down here. Because like, like we were just saying, this is the most, un- well, it's not the most, but one of the most unaffordable yeah. cities out Why there. Why do they keep me- making super ultra luxury things? <laughs> well, like, yeah, it's nice to have one, two, three, four, five, yeah. but come on, man. That's what's Everything that's coming up. I mean, even if you drive through Collins, if you drive through Berkeley, if you drive anywhere, everything's yeah. just going up, going up, going yeah. up. Like, I want to bring clients to you guys, but I don't even think there's enough citizens in Florida. Yeah, or, yeah. Enough. That even make that much money. Right, and you know, there is a lot of money that circulates through South Florida, but there, there obviously there's going to be pockets where there, there isn't money going. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, I mean, I was reading something, um, and they were asking why, why home sales slowed down a little bit, and it was because baby boomers, they're kind of settling down, retiring, so they, yeah. they don't want to really be buying and selling anymore. They're just kind of staying in their houses. So millennials are the ones supposed to be picking up with the buying and selling. That's interesting. But the problem is that millennials lead all other kind of all other generations in debt. Because it's student loans. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, most no, not debt, most unpaid debt. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. Because unpaid debt is worse. <laughs> worse. These people are three years late on their yeah. student loans. So that's that's what's going on with them. So those people, millennials, need us, need more affordable housing. Right. And, you know, there, there's projects going up, but there's a lot more projects that are focused for that exactly. high caliber stuff. And yeah, there's some millennials making money, but most millennials are going to need more affordable housing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, a lot of debt out there. So Yeah, because of the student loans and colleges and, you know. Yeah. It's tough. But there's a big area right now seeing um, a couple of different places going on. Uh, let's talk about Edgewater really quick. There was, a, there was an apartment complex that went out, or it was like a 10 unit building, multifamily. Okay. Um, Is it higher end? I don't think it was higher end, it, but it, it was directly on the water. Like okay. you could throw your soap into the ocean, but okay. um, it was listed for 5 million bucks. It's kind of, okay, let's see if it sells. I mean, crazy. do you believe in, in Edgewater? Like, do you think they're gonna do well over there? I think there's a lot of projects going on over there, um, but you know, I really got to take a few more trips over there to realize the full uh, potential of the area because it's it's a lot different, you know. It's a different view. It's you know different people. It's just uh, it's a different kind of area, and you know it's it's relatively close to um, the shopping over there um, at the Miami Design District, right? Right. Yeah. Is it directly right over there? But it's, um, it's around there. Yeah. It's around there, and um, you know. Uh, the highway is a little bit different and and all that, you know. I think really the downtown area is still very central to everything. So Edgewater is right east of Winwood. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at this map. The water. Oh, okay. I mean the thing is I like Edgewater, but man, we already have too much. Stop yeah. making so more luxury real estate. That's what I'm saying. They're really focusing on the luxury end. Um, over there from what I've seen and um, I just it would be really cool though if they made like affordable housing because Edgewater is literally on the edge yeah there could be some projects imagine they made some nice more affordable housing over there 
Yeah. Not super affordable, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Medium. Not ultra luxury, not 6000 for rent. Right. Yeah. We'll see, man. I think, I think this cool. neighborhood is, is going to take on some different um, challenges, some different demographics. One that I'm kind of interested, kind of scared to see is called the Yotel. Oh, yeah. Remember when we talked about that one? Yeah, yeah. And, I've you been know, to the one in New York. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a cool concept, you know, they, they said it was automated, right? right. You walk in, do You walk stuff. in, uh, you check in, like, on a laptop, basically. Right. And it, it pops out the keys to right. your, your room or whatever. But the real reason why Miami has a hard time with Airbnb is because short-term rentals have a way of kind of breaking up the camaraderie in a neighborhood because, one, you have people going in and out all the time, but those people just don't really care as much about the community or the neighborhood as you do as as an owner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they don't care about the common facilities. Right. Now, it's different because it's in a building, right? So, it's it's the same concept as um, like a hotel and a residency mixed together. You know what I'm saying? So, people own those units, but they also rent them out whenever they're not there. Um, I, mean, I guess when, when honestly, using it. my opinion on it is, if I'm living in, in an apartment building, I would not want for them to allow Airbnb. Right, but if you look at it as in terms of like an investor, you could have your own little I hotel would, going on. Right, I would. If I was the investor, I would want it. Right, but I can understand why the associations don't allow it. Right. Um. So because it's really a mess, people are going in and out of of the buildings all the time. They don't really care about it. Think about spring break right now. Oh my gosh, spring break, man. It's all, going nuts. All the is coming down here. Imagine them coming instead of this building where you live. <sighs> That's what we need to implement. How can we implement a strategy to retain the Miami vibe without the spring breakness to it? Because this, this past <laughs> this past few weeks, jack up the prices. It's just I, I want to give a quick shout out to Only and Date. I love their Instagram account. <laughs> um, if you want to give me a shout, tell me what's up. Um, so these guys they post videos of all this different stuff that's happening in Miami. So I kind of get to see for the most general portion of what goes on in South Beach, and it's a lot of different stuff. Miami's uh, getting pretty beat up this spring break. Very beat up, man. <laughs> uh, but I mean. You know, I've been here for almost three years. I've seen a lot of different stuff happen, but this year was definitely the most damage that's happened to Miami in terms of waste, in terms of physical like damage to like hotels, and I've even seen and there ultra was hasn't even happened. Yet. Ultra hasn't even happened, and uh, and I even saw a light like a lifeguard tower like blew up. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. You know, I saw something only in Dade, not yeah. regarding spring break. That was pretty <laughs> funny though. Yeah. Um, actually, was it only in Dade? It happened in Miami-Dade County, but I don't think it was on that page actually. Oh, okay. But it was a tenant stabbed his landlord with a machete over really? a rental dispute. I think I saw that on like Snapchat or something. No. Yeah, but it was true. That was in Miami. Really? That was in Miami. Yeah. Oh, I saw a picture of him. He had it. It was like a huge knife. Yeah. So it's definitely not like the proper way to. <laughs> Issue. That's some Miami stuff. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, the uh, Florida Man Challenge. Yeah, isn't that? Have you seen that? No, it is. <laughs> okay, so um, someone like posted this somewhere, and I saw it, and I was laughing so hard. 
But people, all you have to do is type in uh, Florida man and then type in your birthday and then some crazy article will pop up of like some Florida man doing something just wild. Just something oh, outlandish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean I like there was like a naked, there was one that I saw where there was like a naked bicyclist riding down I-95 backwards okay, on his bike. No, I, I don't know about it. I saw so many, but it's mostly like people outside of Florida because like people inside Florida don't want to hear that because it's just a crazy city. You know what's actually crazy? Well, the stuff that happened with the tenant landlord, those are two Florida residents. But yeah. a lot of the crazy <laughs> stuff that happens in Dade is not Dade residents. Yeah, yeah. Like just the, whoever's watching this podcast or video <laughs> around the world, just know that. Not all Florida residents are wild like that. Yeah, I don't know. There's... I bet you the people that blew up that lighthouse were not from Miami. Yeah, or, I mean, I don't know if they, like, physically blew up or if it was just, like, an electrical fire that just happened based off of the lifeguard or just the whoever built it. But, I mean, I don't know. I just think this, this city's, like, that's part of it, though. I was telling someone the other day, I was like... Um, there's three things that this city has to offer, or three things that Florida really has to offer, offer, and that is the weather, taxes, and opportunity. <laughs> three things. That weather, taxes, true. opportunity. You can't find another state with all three of those. Think about it. New York, cold. California, don't taxes. have the tax part. Yeah. Texas, maybe. That, that's what I was thinking. That's but was opportunity? Thinking. No, but it gets less. cold in Texas, though. Close. It's close to Texas. Texas, uh, there's no, there's no income tax in Texas. No, no, I said it gets cold in Texas. I mean, oh, in really? Texas. It gets cold in Texas in some places. Okay, yeah. It's yeah. not in some parts, I guess. Some parts of Texas, I think. Okay. That's what someone from Texas is telling me, but it's never happened before, so they're claiming it's climate change, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna It's a whole, t- like, different political subject. I'm gonna TM those three right there. <laughs> taxes, opportunity, you know. Um, yeah, that's the only place in the United States you can find that. That's close. Close enough, I guess. Yeah. But, uh... But yeah, man, let's let's move on to our next topic. And uh, me and Julian were going through this past week. Is um, Facebook has um, kind of tightened up on their advertising. So um, I'm reading an article here. Uh, it says Facebook revisits housing ad policy as part of discrimination settlement. So basically, with the Facebook advertising process. You go through, um, basically you pick and choose where you want to place your ads, what kind of demographic you want to use, or um, what really you want, uh, what people want to hear about your information. Um, So they have kind of, I guess, stopped with the housing ads. You can't do any more like this is for sale or like this is for rent. Really? Yeah, even though I just did one the other week, but I mean, um, I don't know. I think I think they're just cutting back on it. It might be like by zip code or something or by country. I think what happened was when, when Facebook got in trouble with the SEC regulations and stuff, some of the data, they had to, I guess, tighten up Yeah. all maybe. the regulations. Well, Google just got busted for some stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Google's really been selling that data. It's crazy. Like, Didn't I? I saw some guy who, who was like on the stand. They said that they have our location like at all time. Okay. Isn't that kind of crazy? That is. But even like, when, even when, they, like you say, they like when it asks you, can we use your location? And you still and you say no. They still like they still have it. Where you are. 
They just don't show you that they have it, basically. Right. I mean, they sell that to the guy over there. So. Yeah, but that, the thing is, like, it's crazy enough at the same time because how many? There's so many people in the world that have everyone's location. Yeah. So like, why does it really even matter? Like, why are they gonna pick you to choose you? To Honestly, I just got introduced to this whole data sharing thing uh, last semester in 2018. I took an information systems class. Okay. That's where I found out where. All of these social platforms like Google, Facebook, Twitter, they know everything that we're clicking on. And they sell it to the next guy who's willing to buy it. Well, from a from a advertiser's point of view, that that's a correct word, right? Yeah. From an advertiser's point of view on Facebook, I hate these new regulations. Because <laughs> I can't pinpoint someone directly. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit tough. As a human, that yeah. Like, I want rights. Right. It's probably good. But. Now, there is one platform that we don't really speak about, but we really should talk about it a lot more with advertising. It's LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. LinkedIn's really good. LinkedIn, I think, is still... The like, thing is, LinkedIn wants so much money. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit higher. You know, Cal, it's, it's a lot it's more direct. It's yeah. a lot more direct. And, I like, mean, it's direct, like... You can literally pull up people's positions that you want to yeah, hit. Yeah, people's positions. Yeah. They're all that stuff. So, well, that's the point of it. Yeah, like you don't have to like kind of like stalk them or anything. It's like just there. Like real estate broker, there. Yeah. Mortgage guy, there. Yeah. It it's interesting, but we'll see, man. I think I think social media and these social platforms are just gonna start changing in the next like three to five years. Um, you know, I think it's just gonna start getting more and more expensive um, to advertise and also to join. Like, so, what do you think? Overall, not just social media or anything, what do you think is the best form of marketing or advertisement for someone trying to start off in real estate? Facebook and Instagram. Think so? For sure. Instagram marketing. I do yeah. a lot of Instagram marketing. Yeah. Like it. yeah. I mean, you know, there still is, you know, people say, like, oh, TV advertisements. Well, I'm not going to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> newspaper advertisements, magazines, articles online. Those are still pretty useful, man. I mean, I've seen a lot of realtors run ad campaigns on in the New York Stock Exchange or on Bloomberg or on Forbes. I, I heard a really interesting statistic the other day. I'm not sure if it's 100% true, but this is what I was told yeah. by the research company. Throw it out there. Was that the most, I guess you could say, highest return for your investment on advertisement is on the radio. No way. That's where you get the most fun with clients. I don't know why. Maybe it's because like Man. they're literally over and over I again in your head, idea. like just programmed in there. Yeah. And you know when people like drive home at five o'clock with that traffic. Yeah. And they're just like listening to it every single day, like the same like little song comes up. Maybe it's just like. And can you imagine? Can you imagine those like the like rappers or like celebrities that go on there and they say like, "You're listening to the 105.5." Like those guys get paid to make yeah. advertisements. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is. One crazy. day that'd be dope. <laughs> That'd be crazy, man. They literally say like three words. Yeah. One of five, five. How much do they even charge for that? I don't know. They, I probably, I'm sure they just like, someone comes up and gives them a list of everything that they need to say. They just run it out real quick in a studio and that's it. Probably they takes like, like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> they probably do like 15 or 20 of those things. Because they don't even do long ones. They're, they're short. Yeah. I guess it'll cost them more money to do a long one. Yeah. But it's interesting, man. We'll see. You know, I think there's, there's going to be some sort of new social platform coming out. There always is, but I mean, like, you know, another Instagram or like another, you know, like, I Facebook. can't wait for that, because 
like Instagram, <laughs> it was really, it still is very good for marketing and stuff, but it's harder to grow now. Right. Like you really have to be invested into it. Back a few years ago, it was easier, much easier. So we got to find, they need to come up with another social media that we got to become <laughs> the kings of it from the beginning. Zuckerberg. Yeah, that's really the best shot, man. Like, what, what would they even do? Like, our joke that we have right now is that um, a couple of our ads have not been approved by Instagram <laughs> or Facebook. We've been kind of having a hard time with that. But we think that Zuckerberg is the one. Yeah, he's, he's sitting like in a laptop, Starbucks yeah. somewhere. Now, obviously, it's probably automated, but it goes to someone, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's Zuck. Like when you go to like a peelet or something. Yeah, but so, is there. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's on his laptop right now. Silicon Valley, Los Gatos, <laughs> California, just. Yeah, he's in a Starbucks in Silicon Valley. Approve, decline. Approve. But just doing it like. <laughs> we just have been on the other 50% that hasn't worked out, but. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. We'll see. But uh, lots of good news today. I got a question for you, actually. Okay, okay. He told me, he was like, I'm going to run this question to you in the middle of the podcast, but I like it. It's not too much of a tough All right, all right. Um, okay. <laughs> Someone asked me with the interest rate news yesterday, how does that affect pricing going forward? Well, what do you think? Um, short term and long term. Short term and long term. Okay, wow. Lots of different theories going on in my head. So, um, with the interest rate right now, it's still historically low. But we are having a little bit of oversupply right now. So I think it could be a benefit, right? Because if you think about it, it's lower it's lower cost to lend, but there's also decreasing prices, right? Because there's oversupply. So it could run out in, in good. It could in, um, incentivize more people buying, right? Um, long term, I think by 2020, it'll go up. I think they're gonna hike it. Right. Oh, you think interest rates are going to hike? I'm talking about pricing. Oh, pricing. Oh, you thought I meant pricing alone. So no, no, I'm saying the question I asked was how will the interest rate stay the same now affect pricing? Will prices go up or down? Long term or short term? Long term, short term. Right, like what you were, what were I think saying? prices will, will stay where they're at because the, the it's still relatively inexpensive to borrow money. Right. right? Cash is cheap. Right, so um, I think if people take that model and um, attack the market, um, you know, they're seeing a lot of oversupply across the nation right now. So, right. Uh, with that being said, there's just a little bit less demand. But um, if interest rates are still attractive, then you should be buying property. Very cheap money at four percent interest. Yeah, so possibly less. So right. it's just kind of interesting. Long term, I think. Um, you know, the oversupply will catch up to us or inflation will or employment, something will slip and then we'll hike up and or hike down. I don't know. So it's just kind of interesting. I think know. we're definitely though shifting from a crazy seller's market yeah. more to a, I don't think it's a buyer's market. People keep saying, oh, it's a buyer's market now. That's not true yet. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's shifting before it was like sellers up here. If you're listening to this on on the podcast, you can check us out on YouTube to see where my hands are. Yes. So there's market is up here and the buyer's Nice catch, nice catch. The buyer's market was down here. You know what I mean? <laughs> but now it's like coming closer together, not yet a buyer's market. Though. Right. But definitely think sellers still have the upper hand, but it's kind of medium up. It's getting better to buy now. Right. I feel like it's kind of cool. If you're a buyer. Cool. 
But the thing is, uh, you got to take into account, like, there's never a perfect time to buy or sell. People always say that. Perfect time to buy is now, baby. Always, because of appreciation and so many people moving into Florida in particular. Yeah, I like it. But hopefully that answered your question. You think that's good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Awesome. Well, we'll see what kind of news we got for the next time we meet. Definitely. Uh, I like our casual little Saturday we just had. Yeah. Uh, hopefully this is out on YouTube by uh, by Wednesday. We're going to have our guy uh, chop it up, edit it. Yeah, our man. boy uh, Renzo Fulci, shout out to him. We haven't shouted him out yet, so we'll give him a quick shout, shout out. Shout out to Renzo, he's a man. Julian, thank you so much for joining me today, brother. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. And uh, this is Real Talk with Chris Rubey. Julian Chavez, thanks for tuning in. Have a good one.